Hi, I'm referee Mark Fralick. It's episode 14 of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I certainly hope that you are enjoying the podcast that I've been able to offer for you. Uh, I thank you very much for taking the time to listen today. My guest today is Tim McLean of the Atlanta, Georgia area, an official for 29 years. He has quite a distinguished high school basketball officiating career, which includes five boys and one girls state championship games, along with numerous final fours and regional tournaments. He worked has worked uh, six Georgia men's junior college championships as well. Uh, he was born in Ashtabula, Ohio, and a graduate of Warren Harding High School. He went to Ohio, Univers- Ohio University for a couple of years, and then he said, I took a one-way bus ticket to Atlanta, to Athens, Georgia, <laughs> and he's been there in Georgia uh, ever since. He's been a clinician at camps. He's been president of his local basketball officiating association. He trains officials and has a really solid focus on recruitment and retention. Similar to a lot of other guests that we've had on here, Tim, he has some great stories to tell and he offers numerous teaching moments for officials throughout the podcast. I think you'll hear some that maybe uh, you haven't heard before. As far as this podcast, I want to thank our major sponsor, PQ2 LLC, and its owner and fellow basketball official, Matt Kearns. Visit pq-2.com and contact Matt. There's no doubt in my mind you'll have a great conversation with Matt once you contact him. Just listen to his ads throughout this podcast to learn more about his business. And finally, you know, it's that time for giving thanks. And with Thanksgiving approaching next week, if you would like to give thanks for this podcast, all you have to do is go to anchor.fm backslash mark dash and click on the support button. From there, you can select a monthly giving option of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99. I just really appreciate you taking the time to help support this podcast in any way that you can. I hope you enjoy Tim's comments on the show. And as we approach the beginning of some of our basketball seasons anyways, I know things are changing um, daily uh, at a variety of different states. But, but as we approach the beginning of the season, I just invite you to listen to previous episodes as well because there's plenty of tips, tricks, ideas that prepare you for the season from a variety of different officials. Enjoy this show. Well, here we are for another episode of the High School Basketball Referee. Thanks for joining us today, and uh, I'm glad to have Tim with me. And and Tim, thanks for joining us. I appreciate you taking the time today to uh, be a part of this program. Thank you for having me. Well, we know you're from the northern northern part of Atlanta area, so um, but you are an Ohio native, born in Ashtabula. Do you re- do you know who else that's pretty famous? I think was born in Ashtabula. I do not. Uh, other than myself, I don't know any other famous people from Ashtabula. Is Urban Meyer born in? Oh, I, I think you're correct about it, Urban Meyer. I think actually we are the same age, and I. I believe we might have been in the hospital around the same time, but uh, yes, Urban Meyer is uh, is somebody that I I think is a somebody I should look up to as an Ashtabula native. 
for sure. Yeah, and in living in Georgia, that's kind of an extra special thing because we all know that SEC schools probably don't care very much for Ohio State. Is that is that right, or is that is that not right? Do do we just generally have a re, a general respect for the quality that he has in his football programs when he was coaching, or or is that just hogwash? No, they hate Urban Meyer down here, <laughs> and especially. Especially Florida people, which I can't understand because I tell them he brought you two championships. What, what more do you want from the guy, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and, you can't yeah. leave though, right? Apparently, you can't leave. I don't know. I, you know, I, I like I like what he did at Ohio State, and uh, you know, he's really good to listen to on TV right now. And uh, absolutely, yeah. So. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, what this show is meant to be, and that's about officiating. So um, before we get into the pregame, I want to talk about uh, the coronavirus, which has really uh, halted things around the United States and and high school basketball. Um, What are things like in Georgia at this time? So here's what we're doing. uh, I I had my first game yesterday, and uh, what we're doing, um, and not – I, and I can't say I agree with everything what we're doing, but that's just the way this the state has decided to do things. So we're not doing a tip-off. So now the oh. visiting team gets the ball to start the game, and then we uh, go the AP arrow after that. Um, we we uh, stand at midcourt during the pregame as officials and go from there. Uh, we are welcome to wear masks and um, gloves if we wanted to, and we are also wear, uh, also able to wear the uh, the shields around the whistle. I do not do any of those things and will not do any of those things. I as, as the game went yesterday, I was not close to anybody unless I handed them a inbounds in the front court uh, for a front court inbounds. So I, I didn't see any reason to do that. Um, and as I've looked at my previous 29 years, I've been through all these flu seasons. I've bounced a ball with people's mucus and people's bodily fluids all over a ball and the floor and everything else. And I've touched all that and never been sick. I'm, I'm just not going to get totally concerned about that. We're doing the uh, teams are doing social distancing on the uh, sidelines and that kind of thing. And that's what the, if that's what's uh, dictated, then that's what we'll do. So as as we go then, uh, let's let's go back to your career just a, a little bit because I want to go into that a little bit more during the pregame section. But I do one interesting thing that I f- saw in your biography is that you attended a camp in Cleveland when you lived there, um, the Phil Bova camp. So tell me a little bit about that and how that helped you. So yeah, that's it's it's very interesting. I so I took a one way bus ticket in uh, in nineteen eighty four from Athens. Ohio to Athens, Georgia, um, and I moved down there. And then later when I got involved in officiating, <clears throat> several years later after I got married and, and and this gentleman turned me on to officiating, I just was totally turned on by this thing. I just became so passionate about officiating, and I, I just could not um, find more ways to – uh, be involved in it and then I could and I, I just I just just totally absorbed with it and my family who is still in Ohio in Warren and Toledo um, I found out that there was this 
this gentleman named Phil Bova, who I watched on TV, and he was, I did, he was, he, gosh, when you watch him, you just go, man, this guy loves basketball. And then I found out he, uh, he was he had a basketball camp, so I flew to uh, to Cleveland to be at his camp, and that way I was around my family and stuff too. But it was my first camp I ever was at, and it was, it was just so awesome, and it just was one of those things that propelled me and kept my my fire lit about officiating and and you could just tell phil bova was just so into it and the people who were there were so into it this had to be like 1993 or four something like that and uh gosh it just it just was so fun and uh and i i've attended many other camps after that but yeah phil bova and that guy i don't know if uh, i'm sure many of your ohio people know who that is and uh he's a legend <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's head to the real meat of this uh, podcast, where we go into the pregame, the first and second quarters, the halftime, third and fourth quarters. Uh, we also have our postgame, and then we go with the five quick decisions. So before we do that, though, we want to thank our major sponsor, PQ2 LLC, and Matt Kearns, and he wants to tell you this. Hey, Ref, if your day job requires engineering thermoplastics, connect with PQ2 LLC and have a thorough, candid, and honest pregame discussion about your next injection molding, extrusion, or blow molded project. Make the right call to PQ2 LLC. That's www.pq-2.com. So we enter our pregame, and uh, we'll kind of piggyback on what we had just talked about, and that's uh, about your officiating co- career. So talk to us a little bit about how that began, uh, and where were you? Um, were you in Georgia or Ohio? So I was in Georgia, and I, I was I was married, and my uh, my wife was a teacher, and her principal uh, was. Uh, a, a basketball player and he invited me to play basketball at the, at the gym that they taught local school at. And I was like, yeah, man, I love basketball. I'll play basketball. I, I was passionate about basketball. Let's go play basketball. So I did. And then we played a couple of times. He goes, Hey man, I, I referee too. Would you like to referee? And I was like, Hey, I think it sounds like a pretty good idea. <laughs> and, uh, next thing I knew, uh, he had me out there. His name is Terry Dover. He's still my uh, mentor to to this day. A tremendous man, a, a person of of uh, you know just a, just a great guy, and uh, and so yeah. So I refereed my first game with him, and and we continued to to, to go with that. And he he just was a, a great leader for me, and that's how, that's how I got going. And then uh, I then quickly within the first couple of years I, I was such a sponge i just wanted to learn more about it i just couldn't i couldn't wait to talk about it and think about it and be around it everybody kept giving more information and wanting and wanting to give me games and stuff like that and i was like yeah man half whistle will travel i'll go where, where do you want me to go i'm going and uh luckily my wife at the time uh, was was able to deal with it and i couldn't get enough of it i just couldn't get enough of it so you talked about your mentor being there on your first game. Uh, tell us a little bit about that first game, some of the things, the feelings that you were going through, and, and anything interesting that might have happened on that first game. 
Yeah, so the first game was at at this little elementary school, and he had a, a it wasn't even wood on the court. They had some kind of carpet, but anyway, it was a three person crew in 1992. Mm. You know, uh, I, we didn't even know what the I'd be. I don't even think anybody knew what the mechanics were, but the three of us were out there, and I just he just told me, man, if you see some, blow your whistle, and uh, and so I did, and and. Uh, we we kept going and and so the game is still tremendously memorable to me um just like uh f- first games are of, of many things uh, i think and you ask a lot of people about what the first game of varsity is that mm-hmm. they remember I, I don't remember those i remember my first division one college game tremendously i remember my uh um a, a couple other games tremendously but it but that game the the first game ever i just was i just remember being out there like frozen and just going gosh if something happens in front of me please just let me blow the whistle and keep going <laughs> um you know those first years they're they're full of learning and and uh, uh i guess learning by things that we might not do correctly but tell us some of the lessons that you learned in officiating early in your career that really had an impact on you yeah there, there's there's many and um I I think I I grew quickly in this in the sport because I I jumped in so quick and and I think you and I talked about a little bit um, when I when I first got in this thing um, I I bought tapes and I bought anything videos I I would I would I would search stuff on the which was not even the internet then I mean just stuff anything I could find books and I would read and passionately try to find something to to get better at this thing because i wanted to be better i want you know what i I really wanted mark i wanted to be on the tv i wanted to do d1 games that's what i really wanted to do and i was hungry and here in atlanta in the atlanta area there was a um there was a challenge It, it was there was a lot of us who wanted the same things in the early 90s to the mid 90s and there was tremendous competition to try to get better and try to be um, that person who could be on TV someday, and um, and I, and I wanted to be that guy. So um, I, one of the, one of the things I learned um, was I I bought shoes that had the little white uh, stars on them and stuff like that. So I looked like I was a college official. That was stupid, <laughs> you know. And and I, and I realized that that I I was being dumb. And so you, so. It's one of the things I learned. I did it. You, you, you're not that. You're not that guy. Hey, man, just, just referee the level that you are. Be the best you can be at that level, and and just, just do the best you can. Um, but it, you know, we all want to be. I, I think. And I think you'll you'll talk about it later in in this interview. Is is uh, younger people how they want to move up quickly and stuff like that. I wanted to move up quickly, and I was it was mistaken in the things that I did trying to do those things. But uh, people, I had good mentors who talked me back down and told me to uh, just concentrate on the stuff that I should do, and that was to learn the rule book, to have the best signals that I could, get rid of the <laughs> get rid of the white shoes, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And and be a good good you uh, you one and you two at that point. Since we're on the pregame section, let talk a little bit about the importance of the pregame. 
um, and some of the things that you talk about in your pregame at the high school level. Gosh, I, I love this part of what you talk about in the podcast because I think it's so vitally important. So as many of your podcast guests have said, it depends on the it depends on the the, the people you're working with a lot as to what your what your uh, pregame is about, and then to me it depends upon the time of the year. So my pregame this time of year is way different than my pregame in February. Um, we talk about you know new rules and 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 things we're going to emphasize right now and making sure hey remember this remember this or you know you you keep emphasizing the new things. If one of the things I, I try to talk about, and and Mark, I want to I circle back. In the last five or six years, I've been doing this twenty. I'm not, I think it's my my twenty ninth or thirtieth year. I, I sort of lose track. <laughs> but what I, what I've done to my with my assigner over the last five or six years is I request from him that I do not be the crew chief. I do not want to be the crew chief. I want to be the U one or U two, especially. The, I would rather be the U two. I would rather have a young person be my crew chief and I want them to be the person who uh, does the, um, the pregame and also the captain's meeting and the coaches meeting, that kind of thing. And then I talk to them later about how that goes. And let's just, I, I say, Hey, let's, you do it. Let's discuss later how that went. Can I give you some pointers and that kind of thing? Um, I, I the people I'm around in in my area, I've been around. Most of the coaches who are here, they know me. They've known me for many, many years. Many of the coaches were players when I've refereed them. They, I'm, I'm very well known around here. They, if something goes wrong, they yell my name. They yell at me across the court. Um, not not in a bad way, but they they say, "Hey Tim, can you?" So I I don't need to be that guy. So I'm I'm in that transition mode mark where i want these young people younger people to become crew chiefs we're trying to teach people to become crew chiefs so so but going back to what you're originally talking about in the pregame is and my original point and my main point in in uh in a pregame is the three-man mechanic can make a game very simple if we do certain things and those things are Call the obvious plays in your primary area. Number one. Number two, trust your partner. Number three, call the obvious. Number four, referee the defense. If you do those things, this this game is pretty simple to referee. It really is. What happens is, Mark, is that people do not call that obvious play in their primary area for some reason. Or they go out of their primary into a secondary and call somebody else's uh, marginal play in their secondary. And that creates distrust, which creates problems. So I say, if you, if you go to those four things and you call the obvious plays in your primary area, and I especially, I especially tell young people coming in with me, please, please understand the hierarchy of the game. If you can, if you can do what you do in your primary, this thing will be simple tonight. Very simple. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And uh, generally, what kind of response are you getting from the young people? I get, I get very, very good response. Good. And and uh, you know, ninety five percent of the time, um, we, in 
when the when the playoff season comes, we we in, in the state of Georgia, we bring in player. Uh, I'm sorry, referees from the from other areas outside of the Atlanta area, and so they come into our area. They they've refereed, um, and I, I think I sent you in my biography. We have incredible athletes in the Atlanta area. We we have it's it's just amazing that I see on a nightly basis Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. We, we see amazing players every night. Seven, a, I have 24 7A schools in my region. A, a, we have a 400-square-mile county that we referee in, and um, they're all 7A schools for the most part, which are the finest athletes in the state of Georgia. So we so then then during, during postseason, they bring in these referees from out of the area. And they, these guys come in, they go, man, I've never seen athletes like this. I go, yeah, I, I know you haven't. So here's what you need to do. All the stuff, the obvious stuff in your primary, and we'll get the rest. And for the most part, they understand that because they, they've just not seen this kind of basketball. Yeah. Uh, what happens then if you're in the locker room and you've get you've got a uh, an official who um... – just doesn't want to have a pregame. Are you um, are you letting them go, or are you really just going through it anyways, just to satisfy the the whole crew and to make sure everybody's prepared? Um, again, I go I go to my basics, yeah. which are those those four the the, my, the four tenets of refereeing to me. Mm-hmm. Those things that we previously talked about, and um, and and but Mark. As a as a long time clinician and stuff like that, if somebody don't wants to listen to me, I won't talk to them. I, I don't. It, there's no point in me trying. I'm not going to convince them that they need to listen to me. If they want to absorb something from me, I got plenty of information for you, plenty. But if you don't want to hear it from me, I've got no time for you, <laughs> and that then we'll move on. If you're that good, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> right. Right on. <laughs> Well, that puts the end to our pregame. We are going to head to the first quarter, but first, PQ2 LLC and Matt Kearns want to tell you this. Hey, ref, this is Matt Kearns with PQ2 LLC. Call me to discuss your next injection molded plastic resin buy. You'll realize it was a great call. We've been in the plastics business for over 40 years and are thrilled to work closely with world-class customers and best-in-class domestic and global suppliers. You can expect complete transparency through every step of your polymer sourcing process. This year marks my 34th year of officiating basketball in the state of Ohio, and I'm sending my best wishes to you for a safe, successful, and fun year on the hardwoods. Hey, ref, click on www.pq. Dash we enter the first quarter and we talk a little bit about coaches and communication. And so, Tim, what are some of the things that you use on the floor that are beneficial when dealing with coaches? Okay, so um, I, I, I think I have tremendous relationships with coaches. I, I am a... Uh, I'm very tolerant of uh, people and their and their coaching styles and stuff like that. I was not a great guy to deal with when I was playing basketball, so I'm very tolerant. Um, but one one thing I don't I, I do I neither seek 
nor avoid coaches. So that that means during the game or in public or something like that. I, I don't I don't want to go shake their hand, nor do I avoid them. Um, I, but you know, it's one, one of the things I see lately is people like to call a foul and then go right to the twenty eight foot line, right in the coach's box after they've called a foul. Here in Georgia, we do women's college mechanics, so they go they we we call a foul here and you go tableside into the coach's box. And some of our people go right to the 28-foot line, right in their box. I'm like, why do you do that? You're like asking them to yell at you or talk to you about the play. And uh, and I don't get that. So neither seek nor avoid is – is uh, and, and then the other thing is silence can't be quoted. All you have to do, like many of your previous guests have said, just acknowledge them with a head shake. Yes, I got it. I try to do very um, – I, I want small verbal affirmations like she was there, he was there, she wasn't there. No, th- those kind of things. You know, and, uh, and, and hopefully they get it. But no lengthy conversations. But uh, I'm, I'm very tolerant of, of a lot of stuff. I'm not a big tea guy. I never have been. I don't, I don't even think I've ever tossed a guy in, or gal in my whole career. So I don't know. It's, it's I'm a very tolerant person. Well, that's good. That's uh, part of what you really need to have as an official. And um, any specific encounters with any coaches that you've dealt with that might help those who are listening and dealing with coaches? Well, I, you know, I don't know that anything would, would, would help deal with a, a specific coach or anything, but I had a guy, and his name is Ron Bradley. Ron Bradley is a legend in, in the state of Georgia. He probably has nine 900 wins or so, something like that, both on the women's and, and uh, men's side. Here in Georgia, Mark, we do, a, we do a women's game and then the men's game, on the same night. So at six o'clock on Friday, we do, we do girls. And then we, at seven 30, we do the boys and they're both. So here in this, in this County that I'm in, it's, it's seven, eight, man, we have Maya Moore, who's probably the greatest girl who ever played college, uh, played basketball in, in for a woman is, is from this County. We, we have great girls basketball. So two, two games in a row are, are very good on 84, 94 foot courts. We have tremendous facilities, 2000 seat, facilities um top of the line phen- phenomenal places so anyway we have that but anyway ron bradley going back to that I- i'll never forget I-, I was a young buck in it was in the late 90s he had several hundred wins in his career and <clears throat> there was a there was a call that he didn't like at the end of a half and he walked me off the court and uh, and Braden, you know just just yelled at me as we were going off the court in his home gym and I finally teed him as we walked off the court. And but we became great respected friends as the years went on because he said to me, Tim, you know what? You had the the gonads to uh to get, you know, to I'm trying to do this for you and, and for the for the uh, for the podcast, but he said, Man, you 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 did what you had to do. He said, I, I, haven't, I haven't had five or six tees my whole career in, in several hundred games. But he goes, I deserved it, You, but you you made me respect you more after that. And we had many, many, many games after that, and uh, we became 
we became friends and uh you know so so the point being mark is that be tolerant this is their avo this is their vocation refereeing is our avocation and we have to understand where we are in the hierarchy of this this is their livelihood this is not ours and so but at the same time we have to do business when business needs to be done and i chose to do business that night and he respected it so even though the first quarter is about coaches and communication, we kind of got off a little bit on a different yeah, topic. But you talked that. about you talked about having two games a night, and I'm going to ask the question that probably a bunch of other officials are wondering: How much do you get paid for two games, varsity games? So great question. So we were now at a hundred and about hundred twenty dollars for the two games. So sixty bucks we, a game. Yes, yeah, sixty bucks a game, um, and so. Uh, so, so typically, yeah, it goes at you know a six o'clock start, and we'll, we'll be done at whatever you know after two games. And uh, but yeah, that, and it's but it's two two varsity games. And I'm telling you what, in my county, uh, we have we have great girls basketball, and so yeah, you got to be in shape, and you got to you got to be ready to roll. And so, and, and the other thing is you don't want people going out there and going, ah, I'm just going to get through the girls game so I can get to the boys game. Because in the boys game, we have tremendous D1 athletes and stuff on a nightly basis. But we don't, we don't want you to do, we don't want you to come in there and go, hey, man, I'm just getting through the girls game. Don't, don't do that here. We don't want that. Well, I think that's everywhere. I think everybody, and I hope that that's a good lesson for the officials listening here, that um, no matter what level you're doing, whether it is um, varsity, JV, it could be even elementary school kids, that's the most important game of the night for those kids and probably for their parents, but mainly for the kids. And, and they expect us to make it the most important game of the night for us as well. And, and we need to treat it that way. So that's, uh, I, I agree. And, and I agree. And I expanded a little bit on that saying that, you know, hey, we just have to make everybody feel like this is the most important game. And I see, I watch film a lot. And, and I see, um, I see guys on the floor that you can just tell they don't want to be there. And, and we need to change that culture. Uh, especially in in certain uh, levels of play, so that's a that's a story for another time. Um, Mark, but you're you're 110 percent correct on that, yeah. and it's something that that we try to preach here, especially for for people who are trying to move up. And, and it was I, I'm guilty of it when I was I, I think we were talking about it earlier. Trying to, when I was trying to move up to college ball, I thought when I did a college game. That was more important than the high school game that I did, and that, and you, you're 110 percent correct. We have to realize that that game that night we are doing is the most important game we are doing, and some people will never be a varsity official. That's that's okay. Be the best sub varsity official you can be. Yep. Give it all you can. Yep. It's I, hard to teach that. It, it really is. It really is. And uh, that's just, you know, uh, that's just the way it is sometimes. Sometimes you have that happen, and I know people want to move up quickly, but um, uh, that, that's a conversation for our third quarter. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's, put, let's put the rest of the first quarter. We are going to go to the second quarter where we talk about players and communication. But before we do, Matt Kearns and PQ2 LLC want to tell you this. 
Hey, ref, objectivity, integrity, and experience, all hallmarks of a quality basketball official. At PQ2 LLC, we bring those traits and an unmatched passion for our customers' successful plastic application by being a one-stop shop for thermoplastic resins. Visit our website at www.pq-2.com. Real needs, practical solutions, and exponential results. PQ2 LLC. So our second quarter, just a couple of questions and uh, deals with, like I said, players and communications. So what do you say to, uh, about working with the players? Um, what has helped you most in communicating during the game with players? Well, Mark, I've listened to, to you, like I said, all your podcasts, and, and it's very interesting to me. I love listening to, to different uh, philosophies. I'm not a talker during live ball. I don't, I don't say, Hey, get your hands off, do you know, hands. What? That's not me. I, that's not what I do. But during dead ball situations, I'm very talkative and uh, I've always been that way. I like to know people's names and uh, the, gr- the great players that we have in the area. I try to know their name and I do the same thing with coaches. So um, that's one of the things I do, but, uh, but I talk to them during dead ball situations and then, um, like uh i try to avoid bad situations so like um inbounds plays where a a a person could possibly reach across the line so i i move i move the thrower back and i tell the thrower get move back and i I, i'm moving back before i give him the ball that's the kind of communication i have with players um but i i don't do the what I've been yelled at about being a coach, you know, don't get your hands off. Don't touch, watch this. Don't do that. Um, so I, I don't talk during live ball. I'm sort of different with that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, do you find that by not talking, does that hurt the flow of the game at all? I, I don't think it does. Um, it, it, but it, you know, a, after if a play, if a play happens, and either either a foul or not no foul is called when when that time comes i go hey man you know hey uh tommy what you can't do that what are you what are you doing you can't do that with that guy don't don't do that okay next time i'm gonna have to call a foul on your you know stuff like that uh i I, but it's the the the, uh, thing and many of your guests have talked about is not being a coach on the court and i don't want to be that guy i don't want to be accused of coaching so i very rarely talk during a live ball what about players talking to you and and we've talked about this with other people as well and i've noticed that players are talking to us a little bit more just a casual conversation um are you enjoying that at all or because you're not much of a talker do you not enjoy that I absolutely love it. Yep, good. And uh, I think it's great. And <clears throat> it started with a uh, a guy named Lou Williams, who's still in the NBA. He used to put his arm around my shoulder when he was a freshman, as a fourteen-year-old kid, and put his around, arm around my shoulder, averaging thirty-three points a game, and tell me what I was missing about the fouls against him. And I was going, this this guy sort of gets it, though. Um, in the, in, in the communication realm and you see how NBA NBA referees and players communicate 
as long, Mark, as long as somebody will talk to me in a adult manner, whether it's a coach or a player, I'll talk to them any way, shape or form on any. And as long as it, you know, doesn't affect the game. If you talk to me in an, as an adult, I'll talk to you as an adult. If you yell at me, we're not doing anything. So, yes, I love the, the communication between player and, and referee. Well, that's the end of our second quarter, and uh, we're going to head to halftime. So we'll be right back with the third and fourth quarters. Hey, ref. This is Matt Kearns, and I'm honored and proud that PQ2 LLC is sponsoring my very good friend and former co-official Mark Fralick and the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I love plastics manufacturing and making things happen in the world of engineering, resin, distribution, and compounding. But come on, there's nothing like game night. A packed gym, the place is rocking, and we leave the floor knowing our crew gave the players and coaches our best, right? I truly hope you enjoy these podcasts and thank you for your continued support of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast and PQ2 LLC. Tonight's tip, nobody came to see us officiate, so make sure the kids are the stars on game night. Welcome back for the third quarter. In the third quarter, we talk about officials, communications, crew dynamics. But before we get to the questions, Matt Kearns and PQ2 LLC want to tell you this. Hey, ref. Rule 1, Section A, Article 3, in the Project Management Rulebook says trusting your business partner gives you the best chance to launch your new plastics project application. Make PQ2 LLC part of your crew on your next thermoplastic resin application. Call 330-888-9448 and ask for our in-house basketball official and owner, Matt Kearns. Okay, the third quarter begins. We talk about officials, communications, crew dynamics. So, Tim, what kind of things that uh, that you observe that improve the crew cohesiveness during the pregame, during the halftime, during the timeouts? So, again, you know, it all, it all revolves, again, around the, uh, the pregame and your feelings with your, your fellow teammates, like any other team team in any other sport or anything you do even a job your team that you're involved in it 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 involves being comfortable and that kind of thing and knowing your uh, role in the team and that kind of thing and so um as the game goes on and we we see how things go I, i i just try to let things uh play out and um i'm not a i'm not a yeller or a you know, a big corrector or anything like that. I just wanted every once in a while, I, I'll try to keep things in the lane. Yeah. And, uh, again, as, as I told you earlier, I'm now a U2 on most of my games. I want, I want the young person to be the, uh, the leader and I want them to, uh, to deal with tables and scorer and coaches and that kind of thing. And then I do, um, correction from there so that's the way we try to do things now 
So you were once an eager young official who um, wanted to move up very quickly, and you talked briefly about that. But what kind of things now are you talking to those equally young and eager officials about moving from the lower levels up to varsity? Gosh, great question. So number one thing is they can control a lot of how good they get, especially with signals. Now, see, I think signals and mechanics are two different things. Mechanics, to me, are where you are on the court, and uh, especially in the three-person game and that kind of thing. But signals are very, very important. So, but you, in the when I was a young official, I would drive. I, I've been in sales and that kind of thing my whole life, so I had a lot of time in the car, and I, I had a whistle with me, and I would blow a whistle, and then I would, I would do a signal. And um, then I did it in front of the mirror. You blew so your whistle I, in the car? I blew my whistle in the car. Oh, goodness, yes. your poor ears. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then I would uh, then I would do a signal. And, um, you know, if I was a stoplight, of course, yeah, I would never do it. I was right, of course. But, then, but, but, I, but I wanted um, – I want these young people to go, you can improve by yourself. You don't need games. You don't need anything other than yourself to go in front of a mirror and make your signals be the best they can be. You can be the best hold guy, the best block. There's only, what, what are there, four or five signals? That's all we have, we have. Be the best that you can be at those, and you can practice them by yourself. You, you don't have, you don't need a game to do that. And so I try to tell them that, and um, I, uh, you know, I just... Just know the rules, know the rules more than anything, read the book. Um, don't assume anything. And, and, uh, when you come to the game with me, when you're going to give me the pregame as the, my, when, as the crew chief, when I'm the U2, I, I want you to give me a thorough pregame just because I'm a veteran official. That's, that doesn't mean we, we walk through it. I want you to, to do it like you would for somebody you you need to do it for. So when you're refereeing with a young official, I want you to think about this. What is one thing? And I know there's a multitude of things that I'm sure you you look at, but when you when you're refereeing with a young official, what's one thing that you look at that you want to see as something that's very impressive? Signals. Mhm. I mean, it's it's absolutely important that their signals are dead on. And Mark, you know, the other thing is 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 to look the part. Yeah. And this is this is very difficult to discuss with some people, yep. but it's very very important that you look the part. And I, I've heard your other guests talk about it. Um, here in Georgia, we've we've gone. We have a chance to wear this new gray shirt it looks phenomenal so if you want to wear the gray shirt you can it looks phenomenal so those of us who care we bought it and we wear it and it looks great but but if you know if you don't want to spend the 40 dollars and not everybody can spend the 40 i get that so so go but going back to spend the money make yourself look good um if you're going to go out on a Friday night, you, you as a young single guy or single gal, you're going to wear nice looking stuff. Wear that when you go to a game. Make yourself look good. I think it's very, very important. And then your signals can separate you from everybody if you do them correctly. 
and they, and it's so easy to do if you practice them and you can practice them by yourself in a mirror by the book no doubt about it and that's the way a lot of officials should be getting better is is no matter where they can do it whether whether it's in a car i did like that um or whether it's in the mirror the mirror is the big thing that people look at and i remember doing that when i was younger a lot and and that can definitely definitely help you out i am curious about the shirts over there um so the gray shirt you guys it's the probably the thin stripes and then you guys i think in georgia if i remember looking at some of the pictures that you sent um you have the really thick black stripes on your shirt correct yeah so, so, we, can, so a couple of years ago we went to the thick black stripes yeah and uh and said so again so this year we've now switched so that if if all three members of the crew were these gray and there's no pinstripes in the gray that's okay. it's a full gray with a black with black sleeves then if you all three of us wear it then we can wear those you know uh, um, Mark, it's probably a whole nother podcast about um, the amount of money we spend trying to do this thing. One of the things we're trying to do, and, and just to divert myself for just a minute, um, what we're trying to do for recruiting and retention is one of the things we do in, in my officiating group, we're the largest officiating group in the state of Georgia, is we have an official's closet. So as we switch these these this clothing and this this stuff that we're asked for we ask our veteran officials like me to please give our outdated stuff back to the young people so they don't have to buy these things so that they can have stuff during rec and that, that kind of ball you know vocational ball whatever so that they they can have referee shirts without having to buy anything mm -hmm. And so we have a referee closet that we try to do with, with that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, it, it changes. And I, I think it's, uh, we're, we're, we're sort of not happy with everybody changing the new to new things. And who, who gets money, who gets money for this, these new, new clothing every year, you know? <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, sometimes they look good on us and sometimes they don't. And, uh, <laughs> but you know, yes. I, I'm a little partial to the black and white stripes, but um, I'm sure the gray ones look really sharp too. So, yes. hey, uh, we're going to end our third quarter right now. We're going to head to the fourth quarter. We'll be right back. Hey, ref, the fourth quarter is crunch time. With the outcome of the game in the balance, a hoops official's greatest assets are experience, knowledge, and game management skills. And when that final buzzer sounds and we return to the locker room for our post-game debrief, we know we've done our best. When it comes to plastic resins, PQ2 LLC brings the same experience, knowledge, and management skills to every client engagement. Our observations are focused, our solutions are practical, and our results are exponential. Check us out at www.pq-2.com. Dot com to learn how we've earned our stripes. So the fourth quarter involves a variety of questions and uh, some good situations. So let's just talk a little bit. I always like to start out with the situation. Um, and, and it's pretty familiar, but we're going to go through it anyways. The score's tied uh, 50 to 50, and there's five seconds remaining to go in the game. Team A has the inbound underneath their own basket, and they call the timeout. What are you and your partners going to discuss during the timeout? 
very simple. Um, we, we go through the process, and that is the, uh, the, the team fouls, the timeout situation, whether they're running or, uh, or it's a uh, spot throw-in. Those kind of things are very simple. We get that done. And for me, um, what I want to emphasize is, hey, man, don't make anything up. We refereed this game to this point at, the, at this level, and everybody's happy. Let's not make anything up. It, whatever happens now has to be within the flow of the game. And so, it, to me, I, I try to stay it on. You know, try to keep everybody calm. It's it's not we we're not doing anything different than we've done the rest of the game. And the other thing I try to I, I really and I, and I sort of been listening to this, Mark, and what your uh, guests do. I try to again make sure that the thrower is away from the either the end line or the sideline or whatever, whatever, the, in this case, the end line, so that nobody, the defensive player, D1, d- does not touch them uh, or the ball over the end. I don't need anything crazy to happen. So I, I always move the thrower back. Hey, man, move back because I don't want that reach across. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely it does. and uh, Absolutely so I, it does, yeah. So I try to avoid those kind of situations, and uh, that's one of the first things I do. Dude, you can move forward and back as all as long as you want, but just don't don't let this guy reach across and touch the ball because then I got to talk about some stuff that I don't even want to try to talk yeah, about. Yeah, and and that's the preventive officiating that we talk about that needs to happen during a game so we don't get into those situations. That's exactly right. You talked a little bit about remaining calm, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. What kind of things do you do on the floor? You know, some people talk about how they tap their fingers or they have a, a ritual maybe that they go through, but during the tense situations in ball games, do you do anything to help yourself remain calm? Gosh, that's a great question. And, and you know, early in my career, these things were, uh, you know, you'd get in these situations and you, gosh, you just... Um, you you nut up for lack of a better term and it and and it's uh it's tough it you you don't know what to think about and stuff like that but as i've gotten older and things like that they i i really don't have anything mark that i do um sometimes there's a song i listen to on the way to the game and or and pregame and then i i sing the song to myself when i'm out there but when when i was younger i used to always tell myself let the game come to you, Tim. Let the game come to you. Don't make anything up. Just let the game come to you. Handle what you have to handle. And I would just keep telling myself that. And that's what I was when I did. And when I was young, I, I just don't get that. I don't get nervous anymore. Um, but when I was young, that's what I said. Yeah. Just let the game come to you. Well, those are two good things. I mean, I, you know, no matter what you use, it's always good to have something back in your mind to be able to, you, you know, to, to keep that tense situation under control, at least in, in your own mind. And uh, when you look at officiating, what kind of things do you gain from it in your professional life and maybe even in your personal life? Gosh, I, you, you, this is the greatest question of all. And it's, <laughs> um, it's, it has it has changed my life so tremendously that uh, I can't I can't. There's not a measurement for it. Um, I've been in sales or have owned owned my own businesses my whole life, but this this avocation of refereeing has 
it's given me the confidence because I, I finally, I realized after a few years, I was pretty good at it. And people would tell me, man, you're pretty good at this. And I, and I just never really thought about it being good at anything when I was younger. And I was just a very marginal athlete at anything I did at Warren Harding high school. And, uh, I was the third string point guard. They, I was called in to shoot technical fouls in case there was one. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, not underhand, and, right? But anyway, it it just, <laughs> it just was uh, it it just became something I, I became very good at and 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 got a passion for and um, and then in my life as a salesperson, I was like, man, you could tell me no to the sale how many times, but you've never called me anything like these people called me from the stands or anything <laughs> like that, and. Uh, I was, it just was, uh, it just, Mark, it just propelled me in, in my personal life and my professional life. And then these men, I think you're going to ask me about it later in post game. I'll, I'll talk about that later. My, my friends yep. through this avocation are just, um, amazing. So I'll yeah. leave it with that. Okay. That, yeah. We're definitely going to talk about that later. So what, uh, you, you've had a long career, and you know that in during the games we have to deal with fans and coaches who is, are not happy at times. What's some of the scariest things to happen to you on the court, and maybe even off the court? So uh, I've, I've had uh, three brawls. Oh, um, yeah. So one one was in a JUCO game in in Atlanta. A, a team came down from Baltimore, and the, and a brawl broke out on the court. And all I did was put my back against the wall and hope nobody hit me. <laughs> and we got that. Um, we had another game. Another game where where a team was up by sixty points, and and somebody uh, you know got a, a, there was a layup that happened, and they they massacred the person getting the layup, and we had to we had to call an ambulance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah scary but i'll tell you one one of the things that's very scary is this aau ball and down here mark in in atlanta we have we have tremendous aau ball we people come from all over the country to come down here we have tremendous facilities there's lots of great ball and that kind of thing i i have not done it for at least three years because um you're talking about 22 bucks a game 25 bucks a game and people are threatening to kill you mm. you know after the game is over i i just can't do it anymore i'm not i'm not i i'm not equipped to deal with that kind of thing um it's it, it's 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 sad what what is going on in this AU kind of thing the ball is so good it's so fun to do because they're all d1s but the uh the the terror of uh the people around you i we had a nike game so nike does stuff down here at, at a place very near to me and they bring these security guys in and they're huge like sumo guys they're huge and they they ring the court and me and my son did a game and and uh it was terrifying these people were ringing the court telling us they were going to get us after the game it wow. was it was terrible for 22 bucks a game I, I i can't do that yeah no doubt i'm done I'm done yeah. with that. Well, you know what? That's the end of our fourth quarter. We made it through all four quarters. We're going to head to post game, but before we do that, PQ2 LLC wants to tell you this. Hey, ref. Good game. When a coach or player acknowledge your effort at the end of a contest, it can make the difference between a fun ride home 
or one where you're questioning every call you made in total silence. In business, it's no different when the customer values your performance and takes the time to let you know. Visit www.pq-2.com forward slash about to read customer testimonials and then call us at 330-888-9448 to discuss your next plastic application needs. Never ride home wondering if you made the right call. So the post game begins and some of the, you talked a little bit about this earlier, but you know, quite honestly, some of the best parts of officiating uh, are the, the brother and sisterhood uh, that we encounter, you know, it's whether it's the drive to the games, uh, the post game destinations, the drive homes, those can be some of the favorite parts of officiating and probably some of the most interesting stories as well. But talk a little bit about that and some of the examples that, that you've encountered over the years. Gosh, it, it, it is probably the best part of my officiating career is to have these kind of things that have happened. Um, one, you know, one of the things you ask about many times is, is your favorite game, um, uh, most important game. And I, I've had many, I'm, you know, many championship games and wonderful, wonderful career. I'm, I'm so blessed. This County that I, uh, Mark, that I, that I ended up refereeing in, um, I just happened to go there and I, I don't know how God put me there, but, it happened to be that way and it, and it changed um, materially from a, a very small county, rural county to a very, uh, very urban county quickly. And so there's now a million people in our county, 20 by 20 miles, and there's tremendous 27 7A schools and, and it's competitive ball every night, 2,000 seat schools and that kind of thing. And, um, but one of my greatest remembrances is I had an ESPN game in, in 2007 with Oak Hill, which a lot of a lot of you people know. Oak Hill Academy out of Virginia came and played Norcross at Georgia Tech, and uh, with my, two of my best buddies, and we did that game. And there was there was ten D ones playing, and it was just it was just a phen- phenomenal. And it but it just it's just evolved into the, the guys that I referee with. I went to Warren Harding High School, but the guys I referee with, they are my friends and their families are my families. Their their children are my children. And my children are their children. We we go together. We we used to go to the place called the Lodge. It was an old town tavern and we would meet at the lodge and we would talk every night. It's just it's just amazing, Mark. I don't I, I mean you don't have enough time for me to tell you how amazing this um this refereeing uh, changed my life for these these people around me and uh, what the friendships that I have and the, the the friendships I'll have forever because of refereeing and uh, it's it, it's just awesome. What's the best advice that you ever received from an official? Oh, there's several good things. One of them is neither seek nor avoid the the, the coaches for sure. Neither seek nor avoid. Yep, and then, uh, and then of course, always try to get better by yourself. And that is to, uh, you know, get get in that mirror, work on your own, um, listen to other officials. If you if you don't, hey hey, listen, you you can't be me. So so a young person, Mark, 
who's coming into my game. They have five or six seasons. I've got 29. I know everybody in, in the county I ref. I know them all. I refereed many of them when they were players. I know their parents. I know everything. They know they, they can't be me, but you can take something from me. Maybe you like my traveling call. Maybe you like my holding call. Most of my calls, are they look terrible, but you you might like them. So take one of them, but you can't be me. You, you, but try somebody else's. Try my my friend Willie's call on on uh, on personal file or something like that, and and take all those things and be you. You can't be anybody else but you, and only what you are able to handle as as far as what a coach says or stuff like that. You can only be you, but you can't be Tim McClain. You know, with twenty nine years in, when you're five years in, you you can't do that. It's it's just not possible. So, so be what you can be, and do what you can do. Talk a little bit about, you know, you you did talk a little bit about earlier about the conditioning and and uh, looking the part as an official, but talk a little bit about the conditioning workouts that you utilize and uh, from year to year, whether it's during the season or off the season. Gosh, when I was young, Mark, I, I would, I mean, I played racquetball and basketball and I mean, I would play basketball in the morning and racquetball in the afternoon, and then go referee two games. I, I can't do that anymore. I'm 57. Can't do it, but I, you know, stay in shape. Um, obviously you, you have to look the part of an athlete. This is so vitally important. It's so vitally important and you, you have to dress the part, um, even if you have to buy a larger shirt to maybe overcome some of your issues, but but you can't. A first impression is so important. You cannot you cannot do a second first impression. And so when you come into a, a varsity game and the person looks at you and they they're used to having top notch officials, and then you waddle in there, we can't have that. And especially in our in our county man this is so competitive here it's unbelievably competitive um and people could walk in there and go hey man i need to be a varsity official i did i did two years of sub varsity over here no man you don't understand what you're getting ready to get into here it's different so uh, you you can't make a second first impression is is my my first thing i would tell people mark yep well, that's the end of our post game. We are going to be headed to the five quick decisions, something that officials always have to be prepared for. We'll be right back. Hey, Ref. PQ2 LLC is proud to be the thermoplastic resin company that dares to be different. Call Matt Kearns at 330-888-9448 and ask what makes PQ2 LLC different. Officials cite relationships within the community of basketball officials as a huge reason why we take the floor each game night, year after year. PQ2 LLC brings the same passion you have in the locker room to every client relationship we've built over the years. So our five quick decisions. I I always look forward to this. Um, 
because I don't know what you're going to say and, and you know the questions. So this ought to be a lot of fun. Um, I talked to some people from out of state. Not everybody gets fed, I guess, as nice as we do, but, uh, what are some of the, what's some of the favorite food that you've encountered over your years? I've been looking forward to this answer, this question, because we don't get fed (laughs) at all. I heard that some people don't, I can't forget. We don't get fed all the time. And I'll, I'll clarify that. We don't get fed all the time, but when we do, you know, sometimes it's hot dogs and, and popcorn, but I always like to hear what other people get, but you don't get fed. Amazing. So we don't get fed. We're lucky to get water. So it's very interesting, but I, but I wanted to tell you, tell you this and share this with your, with your guests, with your audience is that. So the first college game I ever had was at a place called Lander university in South Carolina. And it was many, many, many moons ago. And so I got in there and they gave me a menu on which to choose my my vittles for after the game. <laughs> I was like, man, this college thing is going to be great. Well, that it it was never like that after that. I mean, some of the places I, I went through, you could barely even get a shower or anything like that. But it was it was very funny. But no, in in uh, and then the other thing, Mark, and I, and in all seriousness, I wanted to, I want to share this with you, is that we as a state do not especially at the um once we get into the playoffs we do not want officials going into um these rooms we don't like that uh we don't we, we don't we don't like the interaction between the coaches and possible uh, officials and things like that we don't so we're we're not wanted to go to any kind of room with food hmm that's interesting yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, next question then. If there is one rule that you could change in high school basketball, what would it be? So we have um, another great question I've been looking forward to. So we have two things that we're, we're experimenting with here, here in Georgia that I love. So we're doing the um, – we're doing the we, – we don't shoot on fouls in the uh, – until the sixth foul of each quarter. Oh. Okay? Yep. That, that The one-on-one and then the eighth foul in the quarter – is the then the double bonus wow so and we're and we're going so we're, we're very uh women's college driven state so that's so that's what we've started with so we're experimenting with that i like it and then the other thing is we during several of our tournaments we're going to uh, experiment with the shot clock and i love i love the shot clock i love it as an official because it's very very um uh, it, it gives me another thing to have to deal with, and I love being able. To, I, when you know, when you stop, you stop the clock, and you have to readjust the clocks and stuff like that, and you know what the shot clock is supposed to be. Man, I love that. That, that means you're so tuned into the game. Yeah. What do you think is the most misunderstood rule from fans and coaches? another great question is is three seconds yep. three seconds i mean people yelling at me they keep they, they're standing in there and they keep shooting yeah that, that's right that's, that's what they're doing <laughs> I, I think three seconds they they yell it the whole time and it's and it's has nothing to do with the rule at all and then uh, and then like i've heard uh, a couple of your people talk about is over and back yep. and that were the one the one step is in there and you know you have to have all three uh, things both feet and the ball have to be in the front court in order for it to become a front court status well it's good to see it's not just in ohio that people are upset about that so that's good <laughs> <laughs> so what's the funniest thing a fan has ever said to you now um uh, 
again, things I've, I've looked forward to in your questions. I, they used to call me Donny Osmond. I had I had um, <laughs> dark hair and dark eyes and stuff like that. And I guess so they would go, Donny Osmond, you suck. You're terrible and stuff like that. So uh, so I thought that was funny. But um, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah. So, you know, my sister and I, we used to be called Donnie and Marie. So they used to call me Donnie Osmond. That was, you know, a long time. A lot of people don't know who Donnie Osmond is. So <laughs> it didn't matter. But, uh, yeah, the one, but funny things that have happened. I mean, I've had, I, I did an, my own blarge, Mark, once. I did, back in the day, you used to put your arm uh, behind your head to signal an offensive foul. And, I did that and put a and the other arm on the side for a block all at one time. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yes. So I had some explaining to do there. So that was a that was a problem. That was a funny funny issue. And uh, you know, it's uh, you you explain your way out of it. Exactly. You do that for sure. Last question <laughs> on five quick decisions. The funniest thing a player or coach ever said to you. Not again. Not not nothing. Nothing really. Uh, I I just can't remember anybody's uh, said anything so funny to me. I'm not a very serious guy on the court. I'm I'm very affable, and I I talk to everybody, and I I try to have a smile on my face the whole time. So I can't remember anything. But I remember uh, a a point guard threw a bullet pass from the top of the key, and it missed everybody, and and I was the lead on the baseline and it banked off my uh, banked off my forehead oh. and bounced into the stands like 20 feet away. I mean, it was a laser <laughs> shot and the two other officials, they couldn't stop laughing for like three times up and down the court. And, uh, it was just one of those things, you know, but I never saw it. It just pounded my head. But, uh, um, I, I, don't, I just don't remember any, any, uh, truly funny things. I've, I've had many, many, great conversations with coaches and, and players and but none of them that just stick out well this has been a, a great time i want to thank tim mclean for taking the time out of his schedule today to be part of the high school basketball referee with mark fraley podcast tim uh it's been an interesting for sure time and, and it's been a lot of fun thanks for joining me Thank you so much, and thank you for what you're doing for officials. I, I'm I'm going to put this to to the young officials in my group, and I hope when they drive the games that they listen to each of these podcasts because I think it's a learning experience each time. And that closes another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fraley podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Until next time, have a great day. Brighten someone's day with a smile, and God bless.